This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. We're in a new season in the church and we're in a new season in the nation. And uh, some of you don't feel it, you don't sense it, you don't know it. And you have to be able to discern the times, you have to be able to discern the season you're in. And uh, for some of you, you think you're in the old season. But I have news for you, we're in a new season. And if you continue to live like you're in the old season, you're going to miss the new season. So God gave us a word at action called speak out, step out. Now, when you speak out and you step out, Everybody thinks, well, that's a cute little slogan, but it, it's, it's more than that. It's not a slogan. It's not something we, we, I don't sit around trying to figure out, oh, this will be a good byline. This is a good sales pitch. No, we hear from the voice of God. God tells us things and God speaks to us. God begins to reveal the word of God to us. And when you begin to hear what God's saying, then we say, okay, now what is it and where is it that God's leading us? Uh, we are not just an ordinary group of people. You are the church of the living God. You are the sons and daughters of God. You, to tap your neighbor and say, did you know that you're a son of God or a daughter of God? Just tell them that, okay? And as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you do not have the liberty to just do whatever you want to do. You have been bought with a price. You're in the kingdom of God. You have a king for a father. And how many of you know that royalty acts differently than everybody else? Some of you don't act like royalty. Some of you treat yourselves very commonly. Did you know what the word holy means? It means to be set apart. Set apart. It means to be Uncommon. Many of you treat yourselves and others like commoners. When in fact you're royalty. Doesn't that want to make you sit up a little bit differently in your chair? See, royalty carries themselves a certain way. Royalty doesn't do certain things because they carry the name of their family. They carry the name of the crown. They, they, certain things that royalty can't do. If you're a royal member of God's family, then you must begin to see yourself that way. So, as we gave the message for the year, as we gave the message for action, uh, I, I felt like God had a, a, a kind of a hidden message inside of there. And it would be a year of fruitfulness and multiplication. And some of you will come out of a place of concealment and you'll begin to be thrust into positions of leadership. I cannot tell you how many people in our church are in key positions of leadership. God is raising up a royal family in politics, some of you don't understand your role in the political arena. Some of you don't understand the role that God has placed you in. And it's, it's hard for you because 
you're surrounded by corruption, you're surrounded by tough situations, and yet you find yourself being pushed and pulled and, 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 and yet standing. Your season is about to shift. We're in a new season. Some of you are in the business community. You don't understand what's going on. You think, oh my gosh, it can't get any worse. I'm telling you there's a shift already taking place in the business community. Some of you are in the education fields. Each of the, the, the seven mountains. And here's the hardest thing to understand. God breathes on your life. God promotes you. And then it seems like all hell breaks loose against you. But you see... You pray these incredible prayers. You say, God, use me. How many of you have ever prayed that prayer? God, I'd like you to use me. And then somebody comes along and uses you, and you say, yeah, I'm being used. <laughs> Anybody ever do that? I just feel like I'm being used. Now, wait a minute. Are you schizophrenic or what? <laughs> I want to be used. And then God says, okay. Another way of saying that is I'm going to be spent. I'm going to be poured out. Now, be careful how you pray. That's like praying for patience. Have you ever prayed for patience? Yeah, I did one time. I didn't realize that the answer to the prayer for patience is to put you in a place where you had to be patient. But here's the secret that I want to talk about, and I'm going to take you into a message today that is going to show you what God's doing. The idea that I want you to understand is that when God starts something, the hardest thing to do is to keep momentum once something gets started. Many people start things and they don't know how to finish them. Many people have started projects or businesses or they've started with a commitment of some sort and then they fall short because they forgot about something called momentum. See, many of us made a decision to do something in action and already the enemy has come up against the very words you've spoken, the very commitments you've made to try to keep you from making headway, to break momentum. Momentum is a very important thing. God understood momentum. God knew what it would take for the children of Israel and for the church to be all it was supposed to be. And so today, the title of my message is New Testament Pentecost. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Everybody say Pentecost. Now, how many of you know what Pentecost is? Okay, how many of you don't know what Pentecost is? Oh, wait, you have two hands. <laughs> you either know or you don't know. There's two answers. How many of you think you know? How many of you aren't sure, but you'd like to know? How many of you don't care? <laughs> I want to talk to you today about the meaning and the fulfillment of the Old Testament festival of Pentecost. In Deuteronomy, the 16th chapter, verses 9 through 12, the Bible says, Seven weeks you shall number, or shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks 
from such time as you begin to put the sickle into the corn. Now this isn't corn like maize. This is barley and wheat. The corn is known as the kernel, and, and so they, they, they call it corn. And you shall keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with the tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which you shall give to the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God has blessed you. A free will offering as God has blessed you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your son, your daughter, and your manservant, and your maidservant, and the Levite that is within your gates, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you. In other words, everybody's going to do this. In the place where the Lord your God has chosen to place his name there. And you should remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. You were a slave. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And you shall observe to do these statutes. Now, how many of you know that all of us, you and I, tap your neighbor say, did you know that you were a slave? How many of you know that every one of you was a slave to sin? How many of you know that without Jesus Christ, without your born-again experience, you would have gone to hell? You were in captivity to Pharaoh, the devil. Satan himself has held you in captivity and bound you to sin and to a sinful life and to a life that could never be prosperous, never be blessed, but that would always lead to death. But God in his graciousness has saved you. He sent a deliverer just as he sent Moses to deliver Israel. God sent Jesus to deliver you and I. So I'd like to talk about the festival of Pentecost and its meaning as seen from the Old Testament perspective. Now, today we practice it as a New Testament festival, a New Testament feast. But you have to understand, and I've, I pointed this out in the past, that everything we find in the Old Testament is in some way a foreshadow or a type or a pattern of things to come in the New Testament. For example, the Bible says that I have, from Egypt, I have called forth my son. Now, we know that the nation of Israel was saved by Moses out of Egypt. Is that right? But we also know that this is a picture of Jesus who was sent by an angel by his, and his mother and father took him to Egypt until such time as Herod died. And then out of Egypt came the Messiah, Jesus, to deliver all people. So these are pictures. And God is so clever that he gives you a picture in the old and fulfills it both in the old and in the new. Give you another example. Uh, all of the sacrifices, the blood sacrifices, bulls and goats and pigeons and lambs and all the things that were sacrificed in the Old Testament were pointing to the final sacrifice of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The book of Hebrews says this it is not through the blood of bulls and goats any longer that our sins are covered on an altar. But once and for all, the blood of Jesus the Christ is taken to the 
mercy seat, the altar in heaven, in heavenly places, and has covered your sins. Scholars believe that when Jesus ascended, that his blood became the propitiation both on earth and in heaven for the sins of mankind. Maybe, maybe another picture might be the, the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city with the temple of God in it. But God talks about a new Jerusalem with a new temple. And he's going to have a new Jerusalem. Uh, uh, and it's going to come down from heaven. And there'll be a new temple. And it tells the size of that temple. See, not only is there the temple now, the, the old temple in Jerusalem. And there's no temple there now. But there was. But he speaks of the future of a future temple. So we have to understand that, 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 that these are pictures that are shadows, foreshadowings of the real. I often give this example. One day I came home from work and I asked the gardener, I said, where's my wife? And she, he said, she's in the backyard. She's doing some gardening. She's watering. So I ran around the corner and I saw, it was, it was in the evening, and I saw this long shadow. And I couldn't recognize it was the shadow of my wife. So I ran over and I jumped on the ground and I began to kiss the shadow. Huh? No, 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 no. I didn't go kiss the shadow. I followed the shadow to the real thing. And I kissed the real thing. That's what this is. The Old Testament is a shadow of the real that is to come. So... We're going to look at the Old Testament, which was real, but it was for a different dispensation, a different time. But it points to our time today. The book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, describes the appointed times of the Lord. It says these are the appointed times of the Lord. How many of you know that God has appointments? How many of you know God never misses an appointment? How many, how, many, how many of you understand that God prophesied before when Jesus would come? Do you remember that God prophesied when Israel would be delivered? He said, after 70 years you'll be delivered. And not a day before those 70 years. Did you know that God prophesied that Israel would be in bondage for 400 years? And not a day before those 400 years were they set free from bondage. So these are appointed times. God has appointed feasts and appointed times. These are called the appointed times of the Lord. Along with our weekly Sabbath, which God set forth in the Old Testament as a day to worship him. These periods in the Hebrew year were set apart as festivals or feasts. Now, these religious festivals were appointed by God, not by man. These aren't something we made up. This is God. God instituted religious feasts or religious festivals. And this is really for some people that say, oh, we shouldn't celebrate things like that as Christians. No, the truth is God sees his festivals. He set them forth for a reason, and he wants us to celebrate. And they're an important thing. You see, our Christian festivals, our Christian feasts are a fulfillment of the Old Testament festivals and feasts and the anticipation of those that are yet to come. 
One scholar says that they're dress rehearsals for us for when they come. How many of you know the Jewish people were doing dress rehearsals preparing for the Passover lamb? But celebrating the old Passover, preparing for the Passover lamb. But they couldn't see the Passover lamb. They couldn't see Messiah. They missed him. Yet they celebrated Passover every year. These are God's ordinances. So God has described and hidden in some ways the whole history of salvation in the Old Testament festivals as they follow in the Bible. The feasts divide naturally into two groups. I'm going to have some people come and help me today. So can I have my volunteers come? Here they come. So these feasts fall into two groups. The first group are known as what are called the spring feasts or the spring festivals. And they relate to are all related to one feast called Passover. Now, we just celebrated Passover here in the church, and uh, it's known as Pesach, P-E-S-A-C. And we could put, no, 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 Passover is, oh, we're going this way. We're going to go from left to right. Passover. So, Pesach. So, at Passover, this is also associated with a second feast called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, so you have Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They go together. And listen to what it says in Leviticus 23. It says these, and and you know, you may want to write these verses down. You may even want to get your Bible out. We're going to stay in Leviticus for a while today. It says these are the feasts of the Lord. Everybody say feasts of the Lord. I want you to understand, these aren't something we made up. This isn't something we just do. These are God's feasts. Even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons. In the 14th day of the first month, as even is the Lord's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So on the 14th day of the first month, on the Jewish calendar, is Passover. The next day, the 15th day of the same month, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. In the first day, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord for seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work there. So basically, the Feast of Passover starts with a Sabbath and ends with a Sabbath. Okay? And it's seven days in between. And it's a celebration. The Feast of First Fruits or the Feast of Harvests is also associated with these spring feasts. Leviticus 23, 9 through 14 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, say to them, When you come into the land which I give unto you, you shall reap the harvest thereof, and you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Now, this is where the feast of first fruits comes in. And I'm going to show you the meaning of this in a minute because this is Old Testament. What was the Passover? It represented the deliverance from bondage 
from Egypt. The Feast of Unleavened Bread has a meaning. Why is it unleavened? Why is it bread? And then the Feast of First Fruits. And I'll show that to you in a minute. He says, when you come into the land which I give you and you reap the harvest thereof, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And you shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you. On the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest will wave it. And you shall offer that day when you shall wave the sheaf a he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenths deals of fine flour with mingled with oil an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor, and a drink offering there, therefore, thereof shall be of wine, a fourth part of a hen. And you shall eat neither bread, nor parched corn, nor green ears, until the selfsame day that you have brought an offering to the Lord your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. And then finally we have what is known as the day of Pentecost. This isn't something that was celebrated only for the church. We do celebrate it for the church, but it was also celebrated by the Hebrew people. It's also known as Shavuot, the day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost. It actually should be over here with these three because it comes, well, it actually should stand alone. The feast of Pentecost actually stands alone. These are the spring feasts. The day of Pentecost was 50 days. Penta is 50 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. Now, I'm going to show you how this all works in just a minute. But listen to what it says in Leviticus. And you shall count unto you from the morrow, the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, the first fruit, you shall count seven Sabbaths. Seven Sabbaths. That's seven times seven shall be complete. Even unto tomorrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall you number 50 days. And you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves, two tenth deals. They shall be a fine flour. This is now, let me explain something. This was the beginning of the barley harvest. Okay? And I'm going to show you how the Passover, which is a separate sacrifice, is linked to the Feast of first fruits which is the beginning of the barley harvest. So what happened is the harvest of barley is ready to be harvested. And at the beginning of it, they go in and they take off a swath according to each man's faith. And they bring it before the priest who waves it before the Lord and says, this is the beginning of our harvest. He says, if the first be blessed, then you'll know that you're going to get all the way over here. We're going to get to a feast down here just now. But we're going to get as far as the Feast of Pentecost because at the Feast of Pentecost, not only is the barley harvest completely harvested, but now we've also, 50 days later, finished the wheat harvest. Now, this is really important. Because the, or actually, this is the beginning of the wheat harvest. And I'll show you why. And, and so we're going to bake now with leaven the wheat. And these are first fruits. To the Lord, and you shall offer the bread with the bread, not only wheat, but seven lambs without blemish of the first year, one bullock, two rams, and they shall be a burnt offering to the Lord with their meat offering and their drink offerings. 
even an offering made by fire of sweet savor unto the Lord. Then you shall sacrifice one kid of the goats for a sin offering and two lambs for the first of the first year for a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord and the, with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. Now what this is, this is a provision for God's house. This takes care of all the priests. This takes care of the Levites. These are tithes that are given to take care of the house of God so that God can be served. And you shall proclaim on the self day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. And you shall do no servile work therein. You shall, this shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout all your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not, now listen to this, you shall not make clean riddance of the corners of your fields when you reap it. Neither shall you gather any gleanings of your harvest. You shall leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. Now, so this is the spring feasts, followed 50 days after by the Feast of Pentecost. Then we have a second group. These are all observed in the seventh month. So this is the first month. This is 50 days later in the third month. And then comes the great harvest or the end of the harvest in the seventh month. And this is three feasts. The Feast of Trumpets, they all come together. The Feast of Trumpets, Leviticus 23 says, And the Lord spake to Moses, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Then you have the Day of Atonement, which the Jewish people called Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and it says in verses 26 to 32, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Also, a tenth, on the tenth day of the seventh month, so the first day of the month is Feast of Trumpets, ten days later, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, there shall be a Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you. You shall afflict your souls. This is not a celebration. Yom Kippur is not, neither one of these is a celebration. Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets is not a celebration. Yom Kippur is not a celebration. These are where you afflict your souls. There's a reason for that. I'm going to show you in just a minute. I'm just getting it all laid out here. And you shall do no work on the same day, for it is the day of atonement. To make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatever soul it is, it be that shall not be afflicted on the same day, it shall be cut off from among his people. And whosoever or whatsoever soul that it be that... that that doeth any work on that same day, the soul will be destroyed from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever through your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath rest, and you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month, and even from the even until the until you shall celebrate your Sabbath. So, in other words, in the Jewish calendar, the day starts at 6 p.m. And goes until the following 6 p.m. Did you know that? That the Jewish calendar starts at night and, and, the, and the day begins at night? It's understand, you have to understand. And then finally, the last feast is the Feast of Tabernacles, which in the Jewish faith is known as Sukkot. And it's the Feast of Ingathering. 
Leviticus 23 says, And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel the 15th day. So what do we have? The first day, the 10th day, and five days later, we have another feast. And this is a celebration. This is the biggest celebration. A feast of tabernacles for seven days. So from the 15th day, seven days later, to the 21st day, we're having a great feast. This is a great month. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You do no servile work therein. Seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation unto you. And you shall offer, offer an offering made of fire to the Lord. And it's solemn assembly. It, it is a solemn assembly. You shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord, which shall proclaim to be a holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, a burnt offering and a meat offering, a sacrifice, a drink offering, everything upon this day. Besides the Sabbaths of the Lord, and besides your gifts, and besides all your vows, and besides all your free will offerings, which you give to the Lord, also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in all the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days, and on the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath, and you shall take you the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches and palm trees, and boughs of thick trees, willows from the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days, and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord for seven days in a year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths Seven days, all the Israelites born shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths, where I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared this to the children as one of the feasts of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Simply this, that for seven days, after the Feast of Trumpets, after the Feast of Atonement, the children of Israel would take willow trees, palm trees, and they would make booths. They still do this to this day. You go to Jerusalem, they make these booths, and they don't live in their houses. They live in these booths outdoors under man-made shelters, and it's in remembrance of the fact that God had delivered them, that God had taken them, and that God kept them, and God keeps us. This is also the time of the, the Feast of Tabernacles is also part of the in-gathering. This is the final tithe. In this agricultural society, they would bring in the tithe now of everything, the tithe of their cattle, the tithe of their increase of their cattle, the tithe of the increase of their fruit trees, their uh, everything agricultural, they would tithe at this time. So here you have a first fruit at the barley harvest. Here you have a first fruit of the wheat harvest and a tithe of the barley harvest. Here, you have a tithe of the wheat harvest, a tithe of the fruit, a tithe of, of everything you've earned in the year. Every increase you've had at the Feast of Tabernacles, during that eight days, we bring it to the house of the Lord. So God is still doing that today. Offerings, tithes, and first fruits. Now, these are called the fall feasts because they happen in the autumn in the northern hemisphere. The word for feast is the word hag in Hebrew, H-A-G, which comes from the root meaning to dance or to be joyous. It applies exclusively uh, to the three so-called pilgrim festivals of Passover, 
Pentecost and Tabernacles. Pilgrim festivals mean that three times a year the children of Israel would make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, to the temple, to be in Jerusalem. They would come at Passover. At Passover, they would celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the first Feast of Firstfruits. Then they would come again 50 days later for the Feast of Pentecost. And then they would come again for the Feast of Tabernacles. But often they would come for the full month and do the Feast of Trumpets, the Feast of the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. These feasts are still being held till this very day. The Bible said this, in this, these three feasts, all of the males of Israel were to appear before the Lord in the sanctuary. By the way, each of these feasts is also marked by a formal meal that they would eat. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are solemn holidays of repentance and sorrow. But the rest are celebrations of great joy. And the first fruit, one of the first fruits in the book of Galatians is the joy of the Lord. God wants a joyful people. The fruit of the Spirit is love, first, joy, second, peace. Those are three very, very important fruit of the Spirit. Now, here's, the, here's what the Bible says. In Deuteronomy 16, 16, I'm going to tie it together. I know this is a lot of information, but now listen, because it will begin to make sense now. It, 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 God says this in Deuteronomy 16, 16. He says, no man may ever appear before the temple empty-handed, and especially on the day of Pentecost. Deuteronomy 16, three times in a year shall my male, thy males all appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose in the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Why? Because God understands momentum. God understood something about the children of Israel. He knew that Passover wasn't enough. The Passover meant the death of the firstborn. But he knew that if they stayed at Passover and he only killed the firstborn, they would never make it out of the promised land, out of Egypt into the promised land. Each of us must be generous according to his ability, the Bible says. I'm going to show you this in just a second. So this festival, Passover or Pentecost, includes both prayer and Charity. Receiving and giving are part of the Old Testament Pentecost festival. Not only did they receive blessing from God and receive and understand what God had done for them, but they gave. How did they give? We have to be aware when we speak of receiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit isn't for you only. Although the Holy Spirit blesses you, the Holy Spirit is given to be a blessing to others. The Bible said it about the Holy Spirit. It says, as you receive the Spirit, out of your belly shall flow a river of living water. A river is not for you. A river is to bless others. And so these blessings that are poured upon us have to be given to others. 
All right, let me try to connect this. The first group of festivals connected with Passover begins at the Passover. On the second evening of the Passover begins a period of seven weeks. Now we read this in Leviticus. I've read it already. And and, uh, he says that the sheaf of the first fruits is given, the barley harvest, and then there's an offering. A meat offering goes, and, and so here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is the Passover lamb, okay? The first barley sheaf that is waved of the soul harvest under Jesus is Jesus, the risen Christ. He was the firstborn, the first among many brethren. He was the first fruit. If the first fruit, the unleavened one, the one without sin... Jesus is the unleavened one, the one without sin. If the first fruit is holy, which he was, he was unleavened, he was without sin. If he is holy, then everyone else will be holy. He was the firstborn. He was the first person to be saved. He was not only the propitiation for our sin, but he was saved by his own blood on a cross, as a human being, as man. Does this make sense to you? It was pictured in the old Passover, the Jewish people every single year after Passover would go through a ritual that would even take three pieces of bread, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one in the middle would be broken and a piece hidden Buried in a napkin. This is a, it's a fantastic story. And then they would find it. It would be resurrected. They had no idea what they were doing. Jesus entered into the temple in heaven. He became... He went to his father as the first fruit. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, Christ has indeed been risen from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Nowhere in the Old Testament do we find explanation why are the festivals of first fruits and the festival of Passover knitted tightly together. Only when we observe what happened on the Passover when Jesus was crucified do we understand the full connection of the redemption of the, bo- of the blood of the lamb and the harvest that starts with Jesus as the first fruit? Now we come to the last of the Passover festivals, which really stands on its own. What I want to talk about today, the Feast of Pentecost. Can we just put my little map up there? Not that one. Go back. That one. Let me just show you what this looks like. Do you see the three spring feasts? Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. Crucifixion, burial, resurrection from the dead, and then the coming of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus knew something about momentum. He knew that if we stopped at crucifixion, some of you stopped at the cross. Many of you still live your life at the cross. I'm saved. Well, that's wonderful. I thank God I'm saved. I thank God for the blood of Jesus. I thank God for the stripes on Jesus' back. I thank God that I'm healed. But guess what? 
He was buried. The Bible says we're supposed to identify with him through the waters of baptism and we're supposed to be buried with him in identification with him. But how many of you know if Jesus didn't resurrect from the dead, if he didn't come back from that grave, our religion is in vain. So he was resurrected and we're supposed to identify with the resurrected Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. When you're born again, you have access to the throne room of God. You have bold access to go before the Father who's in heaven. But not only that, he says, I'm not going to leave it there. I'm going to continue the momentum because I have a job to do on earth. He says, I'm going to send another comforter like unto myself. Jesus said, where I go, you cannot go. You are spiritually seated with him in heavenly places, but you're not in heaven yet. Tap your neighbor and say, are you in heaven? No, but you can go into the throne room by faith to obtain help. But you don't need help in heaven. You need help on earth. So we, but, what, but, but guess what? That help comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. God will reveal secrets to you in the prayer that you make in the heavenly places. Where you go in secret, he says, but I'll reveal it openly. But the momentum keeper is the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that the 12 disciples had no momentum after Jesus died? Jesus had died on the cross. Jesus had been buried, and they weren't even sure he would be resurrected. And it was some women that came from the tomb, and they told Peter and John and the other disciples, they said, hey, he's been risen. Peter and John run, and they look inside, and they see in the tomb, he's not there, but there's a folded napkin. How many of you know that? A dead person doesn't leave a folded napkin. If they're stealing the body away, they don't fold the napkin. Jesus was deliberate. He's let them know that, hey, I am alive. Later on, he shows himself to them. And he shows himself to 500 people. So nobody would ever be able to deny that he was alive. And he says, and he stayed with them for 40 days. Oh, what does that mean? 40 days. 40 days, 40 days from here, wait, from the, for the, from the first fruit, he stays with them for 40 days. And then he says, Terry, wait for me and I will send you a comforter. I'll send you and wait until you are endued with power from on high. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So they hide out in an upper room and for 10 days during that upper room until the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit then comes and births the church. On that day, after the first fruit, Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit. Momentum begins. 3,000 people are born again that day. A few days later, 5,000. A few days later, multitudes. Before long, the church is birthed until the whole known world began to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, get to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're a part of. And here's my concern. My concern is that so many of us have had this experience. We've been born again. We're part of the, we, we, we've, seen, we've seen Jesus, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection. 
But we haven't moved on. We haven't allowed the momentum giver, the Holy Spirit, to really propel us into what God wants us to do. You think that it's speaking in tongues. I'm telling you, it's a lot more than speaking in tongues. You think it's about gifts for you. I'm telling you, it's about power to win souls for Christ. I'm telling you, it's about establishing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about turning the tide of evil and wicked in this nation. About turning the tide and evil and wicked in your families. It's about the momentum that can only come by the power of God. So here we see, after the end of seven weeks, which is seven times seven, now you can put that other slide up. Seven times seven, 49 days, the 50th day comes. Deuteronomy says this, seven weeks you shall number unto the beginning, begin to number the seven weeks from such a time as you begin to put the sickle into the barley, or the corn. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering in thy hand which you shall give unto the Lord thy God according as he has blessed you. See, the first fruit is this, you give as, according to how God has blessed you. One person is very liberal. He goes into his field, he says, take off an acre, take it to the house of God. Another guy says, take off a sheaf, take off one bundle. Another one says, take a stock. But according to as you've been blessed, there's one who gives more than he should and never lacks. There's one who withholds more than he should and never has enough. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall rejoice. This is a time of rejoicing. How many of you know that Jesus is saved? I'm saved. I can rejoice. If I lost everything in this world, I'm going to heaven. Praise God. I, I, that's something to be happy about. I could never repay that. You should rejoice. Your son and your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, the Levite within your gates, the stranger, the fatherless, the widow that are among you in the place that the Lord your God has chosen to place his name. Remember, you were once a slave. The number seven symbolizes completion. Seven times seven symbolizes it is finished, complete, it's done, it's sealed. In the Old Testament, the Feast of Weeks is called Shavuot. The word Pentecost comes from the Greek word, Pentecoste Humera, which simply means the 50th day. The festival of Pentecost is understood to commemorate the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So think about this. Passover was eaten. They came across the Red Sea, and they made it to Sinai. And at Sinai, 50 days later, God gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the law. Jesus dies on the cross, resurrects from the grave, sends his Holy Spirit to write the law of God on our hearts. Our hearts have the law of God written in our hearts. We're not under a law written in stone. We're written in a law that God says, hey, you're under grace. He says, I'm going to work with you. I'm going to convict you of sin, of righteousness and judgment by my Holy Spirit, and I'll make the law come alive in your hearts. And that's what we celebrate this day on the day of Pentecost. This is also the beginning. I told you about the wheat and the barley harvest. Listen to what God says in Exodus 34. I love this. You shall observe the feast of weeks, the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the feast of the ingathering at the year's end. Three times in a year, your men 
children. All, all, all your men children shall appear before the Lord your God, the God of Israel. For I will cast out the nations before you. I will cast out the nations before you and I will enlarge your borders. See, God has, God's thinking about you. He's not thinking about himself. He says, I'm going to cast out your enemies from before you. I'm going to enlarge, cause the boundary lines to be in good places for you. If you honor me, I'll honor you. This, if this was in the Old Testament, how much more is it in the New Testament? You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leaven. Leaven is a form of sin. He said, I don't want to see, he said, consecrate yourselves. Be holy to me. Trust me. Neither shall you sacrifice the feast of the Passover. None of it shall be left until the morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not see the kid in his mother's milk. And the Lord said unto Moses, write down these words. For after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. God tells us that we're to write these words down, to record this. And he emphasized that it's all part of his will, part of his covenant with mankind forever. The feast of first fruits marked the beginning of the barley harvest. Shavuot, Pentecost marked the end of the barley harvest, the beginning of the wheat harvest. When the Holy Spirit descended on the Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, he stood up in the streets of Jerusalem and he proclaimed, this is the end. And he quoted Joel and he said this, in the last days, in the end of time, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So what Peter was confirming was the true meaning of Pentecost. This is the end, people. This is the end. The festival of Pentecost was the conclusion of the Passover celebrations. The celebration lasted for one day only. It was a joyous occasion in which the entire nation gave thanks to a provident heavenly father for his abundance of gifts of food. Pentecost was symbolized by two loaves which were baked with leaven. They were a wave offering. They were presented to the Lord and the needs of the poor were remembered at this time. He said, when you harvest the wheat, he says, don't take it all. He says, leave the corners. Remember Ruth? Often they read the story of Ruth at Pentecost. What was that a story of? A kinsman redeemer. She was lost. She was a Moabitess. She had no access to the covenant of Israel. But through Boaz, a type of Jesus Christ, who left his fields, according to Pentecost, unharvested, and left handfuls on purpose for her, a poor woman. God says, if you'll do the same, I'll bless you. Some of you become so greedy that you don't give anything to anybody. We leave no handful. Our government is so greedy that they leave nothing for anyone except themselves. We're, to post, we're supposed to take care of the poor. In this season, God wants the poor to be considered. When a man can't make a living and everything is consumed and the taxes are so high that we can't eat, there's something wrong. We need to return to Pentecost. 
this feast reminded the Israelites that God's care and God's control reached into every area of life, making no false distinction between material and spiritual blessings. Christ taught that not merely does God, our Heavenly Father, give us things which we need, but He'll give us the Holy Spirit if we'll ask Him. I'd like you to look at one more graph up there. Go back to that one I just have. I didn't really get into the fall feast, but they've not yet happened. These are feasts that will be fulfilled yet at Christ's second coming. All of those were fulfilled at His first coming. The spring feasts were already fulfilled. We're celebrating Pentecost right now. We're in the time of Pentecost. And this is for you and I, Gentiles. The Gentile church. But there's coming a day of trumpets. Trumpets, there'll be a day that a trumpet will be sound and the church, those that are true to Christ, will be swept away. After that will be a day of atonement. Christ himself will come. He's coming to Israel to fulfill his covenant. He, they will see him as the Messiah. They'll get a chance to repent. And then he'll tabernacle amongst men. There'll be a millennium. Whether in heaven or on earth, I don't know. But there'll be a thousand years reign with Christ. It's coming. Those, those haven't come yet. But you know what? We're practicing those. In the seventh month this year, we'll practice trumpets, the Day of Atonement and tabernacles. For 21 days in this church, we're going to be saying, hey, let's, get, let's, let's practice like he's really coming back. We even know the day. We don't know the hour, but we know the season. Pretty amazing. Luke 11 says this, and I say unto you, verse 12, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives and everyone that seeks finds. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son, how many of you are sons and daughters of God? If a son or a daughter shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? I don't know of a better day to ask for the Holy Spirit than today. Today is the day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost. 2019 years ago, Maybe not quite that long ago. Minus 33, whatever that is. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit came to a group of fearful disciples, fell on them, spilled out into the streets of Jerusalem. I believe that that's what God wants to do in the nation of Zimbabwe right now. We've had a move of the Holy Spirit, but now God wants disciples full of the Spirit of God. We're not going to turn the tide of our nation in any way except spiritually. 
Some of you have been filled with the Spirit and you speak in other tongues, but your lives don't carry the power of the Spirit. Those, seven those 12 disciples found seven deacons. Those deacons began to do a powerful things. At the hand of deacons, cities were won. At the hand of deacons, there were martyrs standing up in front of religious people saying, what you're preaching is not right. The Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't stand it. They killed. In fact, all 12 of those disciples were, were, were somehow martyred for the gospel. But they had the power of God on the inside of them. I'm looking for a church. I think God's looking for a church he can empower. Momentum can come back into the church. God said, I'm going to take you into a new season, a season of speaking out, a season of stepping out. If today you say, you know what, I want to be a part of that season. I want to be empowered. I believe today is Pentecost Sunday. I believe it's a great day to make ourselves available for a new move of the Holy Spirit. But I want to be cleansed. I want to step out. I want to speak out. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, would you just stand to your feet and say, that's me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. On the Feast of Pentecost, I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. Just grab Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.